Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 2016. Don't waste a second of this new year in a crowded mall with Trunk Club. You can make 2016 your most stylish year yet. And the best part is that you won't have to do any of that work yourself. A professional stylist will look at you, listen to you, think about you, and pick out the clothes that are best for you from the premium brands available at trunkclub.com smart. And just like that, beep-a-dee-boop, on the computer, and then on your doorstep, a trunk will arrive with hand-picked clothes picked by a human being perfect for you, just you. Then you try them on, keep what you like, and return easily what you don't like in a prepaid trunk. And here's the thing. This is not a subscription. You just pay for the clothes you keep every time, and there's no hidden charges, just great clothes. So take advantage of this offer. You go to trunkclub.com smart, and you're going to get free shipping, and Trunk Club will style you for free. It's a new year, people. And with Trunk Club, you will get the year started off looking great in clothes picked out just for you. So go to trunkclub.com slash smart for a trunk filled with clothes that you will love wearing. Welcome to the You Are Not So Smart Podcast, episode 68. This is the second episode in a season of episodes, a series of episodes all about Logical fallacies. Mm-mm-mm. Logical fallacies. Now, if you listened to the previous episode, you heard all about what a logical fallacy is, how it works, why they're important, and what arguments are, and what a formal argument actually is the ins and outs of it, you heard about it from three experts who will be returning in this episode to discuss a new fallacy. In the last episode, we talked about the fallacy fallacy, which is whenever you are having an argument with someone and you notice that they have committed a logical fallacy, you say, aha, you've committed a logical fallacy, therefore your argument is invalid, which might not be true for a lot of different reasons. And if you want to learn more about that, just go back one episode. In this episode, we are discussing the straw man fallacy. The definition of the straw man fallacy is essentially misrepresenting someone's argument to make it easy to attack. Uh, the straw man really attempts to strengthen an argument by misrepresenting the opponent's argument and then arguing against the easier misrepresentation. Uh, so the straw man fallacy is where um, you will 
essentially set up a fake version of the counter argument and then you will beat up that fake version as opposed to the real version. Those are our returning experts, and in case you forgot their names, they are... My name is Jesse Richardson. I'm the founder of YourLogicalFallacyIs.com, a website that helps people to learn about fallacies and critical thinking generally. Uh, I'm Barbara Drescher. I'm a cognitive psychologist by trade. I taught um, at the university level. My name is Mike Rignetta. Um, I'm the writer and host of a YouTube show called Idea Channel, which is produced by PBS Digital Studios. If you'd like to learn more about all these people, you can find links to all of their stuff in the show notes for this episode at youarenotsosmart.com. Now, when I asked these three experts about logical fallacies in general, what are they? How do they work? The one example they all brought up, first of all, to explain how logical fallacies appear in everyday life was the straw man fallacy. And that's because it pretty much shows up in every argument about everything, everywhere. And this, this actually happens a lot by accident, simply because one party misunderstands the other argument. Um, so it's an argument that's not relevant because it, it's countering something that didn't actually happen. <laughs> that makes sense. Wait, hence the, the term straw man, because it only looks like the man. So it only looks like an argument that, that belongs there. The idea is that the fake version is easy. It's easy to defeat. It's just full of straw. So you just like knock it down and you're like, ha ha, I defeated your argument. So um, pretty much every Facebook argument that has ever existed. <laughs> um, and the sort of the sort of idea here is that is that, you know, you are purposefully misrepresenting a counter argument so that you can defeat it with ease. It's um, uh, strawman um fallacies are perhaps the most common of all fallacies. And it's something that, unless we're very conscious of, everyone tends to do. We tend to um, have a very charitable um, interpretation of our own arguments and see only the best aspects of them. And conversely, we um, tend to see through um, a lens of um, less than charitable um, understanding what someone else's argument is. And it's often not even a conscious um, manipulation that we're employing, um, it's its an earnest um, idea that we have of the other person's argument being silly. Um, and it's its not necessarily something that we are alive to in our own minds, um, that we're committing straw man fallacies by misrepresenting their argument. Uh, and so when someone accuses someone else of committing a straw man fallacy, what they're saying is that you have not defeated my argument, you have defeated a version of my argument that is, um, that is easier or, or wrong, essentially. The straw man fallacy is the most common fallacy, probably because it is related to the heuristical way we make sense of reality. Brains use heuristics, mental shortcuts, to solve common problems. They're like rules of thumb. They make big, complex, daunting ideas tiny and easier to manage. And we use them to trade accuracy for speed. And in many ways, that's what a straw man fallacy does. It takes the facts and assertions of your opponent and replaces them with artificial arguments that you feel more comfortable dealing with. So, knowing that the straw man fallacy is going to pop up in every argument you have, how do you get better at recognizing that one is on its way? Well, I think that if you see someone's face grow up and retract into itself in incredulity, and then you hear the words, so you're saying that, spoken in that obnoxiously kind of high-pitched nasal tone of voice, you can bet your brain that a straw man's coming your way.
Well, like, yeah, this the slippery slope argument is always like, you know, oh, so you want this, which means you must all also want the literal end of the world. <laughs> yes. You're like, well, that's not we're not that's not what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I think I think it's important also to to um to point out both with the straw, I mean, with the straw man fallacy and with, you know, uh, most of these other fallacies, you know, like we said at the beginning of the episode, um, when we started talking that a lot of times I think the straw man fallacy comes from genuine misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. yeah. That, that someone is like, someone is trying, they're, they're saying, okay, let me see if I understand your point here, summarize it and then try to defeat it. And then, and then in the game of fallacy spotting, if that summary of the counter argument is not right, it is likely that someone will be like, that is a straw man and you have incorrectly argued and I win. Right. Um, but in fact, you know, it, it really is, it's part of this process of understanding the other side and in trying, trying to figure out what they're saying so that you may argue against it effectively. And on that path, you may argue against an incorrect or a simplified version of it. You, you, if you're in any kind of um, debate or argument situation, it's almost like you would presume that there's going to be a straw man if someone's artic- articulating not their argument but their opponents. It's almost part of the force in a way, I think. Um, for that not to be the case, for someone to to um, articulate someone's argument favorably in a way that you know um, realistically represents it, I think is the exception rather than the norm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting in that respect. Yeah, it's almost the point of having a formal argument is to uh, go ahead and... and and get all these straw men out of the way so we can get down to the true meat of what we're talking about. Exactly. Right. And it's, it's kind of like, it requires a, um, an intent and a desire to want to get to the meat of it, to want to get to a point of understanding rather than to want to, you know, win and caricature someone's argument. It is, it is a good derailer of conversation, but um, I think we see it more today in blogs and things where Somebody's not actually debating and they're not arguing face-to-face. They're simply attacking someone else's argument. So you'll see this in politics a lot, actually. Um, uh, not necessarily in formal debates, but just in on the campaign trail. And you'll see it in, in venues like blogs where somebody is not actually engaged with the other person. They're simply trying to cut down the other person's argument. And so they, they do it or cut down the other person's point or just cut down the other person. And so they'll they'll do it simply um, because it's it's easy it's easy to do yeah it's the this the whole uh, I think you'll find it's more complicated than that thing uh, yeah the uh, we kind of tend to think you know heuristically or we we you know we look at the world as a Google Map version of the real map you know <laughs> so 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 <laughs> when good. I like that yeah so when you so when you are this is also true when it comes to arguing and um. You, I mean, even uh, they, even in, and there's research to show that we, we miss like 30% of the actual words that come out of people's mouths whenever they talk to us. And, uh, I know this is true just from reviewing interviews, you know, I'm like, oh man, I missed, I could have followed up on that or I could have caught that. And so, especially when you're talking, when you're trying to sit down and say, okay, I'm really going to give it to this person and I'm going to take their argument and I'm going to destroy it. You almost can't get away from the fact that you're not, you're dealing with your uh, poor, uh, less than accurate interpretation of that person's argument. And, and, yeah. and if you're not engaging in a conversation, if it's not an actual, I say this, then you say this, um, you're going to end up straw manning. And, uh, that's, that's kind of why Daniel Dennett, you know, he advocates, uh, using it's called, um, Rappaport's rules where the mm-hmm. first thing you have to do 
is you must absolutely 100% verify that you understand the other person's position. And then you, and what you do is you, you state it and then you say, do I have that right? And then the person, um, you know, tells you where you're wrong and then you try to get it. And he, and, and it's sort of a trick. It's almost, um, like my grand, yes, yes. Very Rogerian. My my grandfather, you know, used to say, uh, the way you catch a, if you'd like to, if you want to catch a mockingbird, all you have to do is, is, um, um, take a salt shaker and uh, shake some salt on his tail. Okay. Now that was a very weird, huh. that's a very weird Southern thing. And I took it literally, but the trick of that statement is to say, if you can, if you can do that, then you can catch a bird. I mean, like you know, that's the, the, yeah. the trick of that is saying the, the, if you've accomplished that task, you've accomplished a task greater than the one you're trying to do. And Rappaport's rules kind of is a trick like that. And that he's saying it, if you start to engage with a person in that way, you'll end up having the conversation that's more fruitful than the weird argument thing you're trying to accomplish, which is uh, just trying to, without that person being in the room, sit down and destroy their argument. And it's almost inevitable that when you attempt that, you're going to be att- attacking a straw man version of that person's argument. Yeah. One of the ways you avoid doing that is by making sure that you understand the other person's argument um, before you attempt to refute it. And if you, if you can't talk to that person, then one thing that you absolutely must do is, is, um, use proper charity and in assuming the best of what they intend, um, what they intended to say, uh, rather than the worst. I think, you know, the best conversations happen when we strive to understand one another um, rather than trying to defeat each other. And that's not to say that we shouldn't call a spade a spade, but you're actually trying to get through, if you're actually trying to get through to someone and change their mind about something, then it's going to be a lot more effective to genuinely attempt to understand where they're coming from as opposed to creating a snarky caricature of their argument. Um, so I, I think it's just, it's really about that 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 core um, sort of precept of wanting to see, um, you know, the most favorable interpretation of someone's argument rather than attempting to misrepresent it and caricature it as being ridiculous and absurd. And it requires, I think, for people to take a breath and a step back and actually divorce themselves from their own point of view and beliefs for a moment, um, just kind of arrest that that process that we get so caught up in and earnestly attempt to understand the other's point of view. So if you've successfully avoided committing the straw man fallacy, but you find yourself in an argument in which someone else is committing it against you, it can cause a lot of problems because in your efforts to defend yourself against this fallacy, what usually happens is that you completely go off the rails and now you're talking about just this fallacy thing instead of the original argument. And that's why it's so important that you learn how to get out of that loop before it begins. <laughs> this happens to me all the time. And I, and I can tell you that most of the time I simply disengage because it, if it's being done on purpose, then you're kind of hopeless. And if it's a very um, emotional debate uh, or a very uh, aggressive debate, then you're, you're not going to help yourself by trying to get it back on track. But if you think that it's not being done on purpose and it's a... Um, you know, an amiable conversation. It's it's a, 
a civil conversation, point out that your argument's being misrepresented and attempt to get the debate back on track. You might restate your argument, um, but don't go too far off track. Because as soon as you start trying to attack the straw man, you're kind of sunk because then, you, then your debate's just off the rails and you're you're in the defensive all the time. And that's one of the reasons why I say I just disengage for, if I think it's being done on purpose or if I think that, um, which quite often it is, or if I think it's too aggressive, then trying to defend yourself just puts you in, in a bad position and then nobody's listening to your actual argument anymore. They're just listening to you flail and trying to, you know, fight against something that you didn't even say. And there's no point in that. Um, you certainly don't, it, none of us wants people to believe this misrepresentation of our argument. And so it's very difficult to step away from those things. But in the long run, it's often just better for you. It just, it just goes down a rabbit hole sometimes. And it gets out of hand and you don't want to be in that position. So sometimes just backing off and let, letting people think what they think, what they're going to think and um, staying in your own corner is the best that you can do. The power of the straw man and perhaps why it's, you know, the most common um, rhetorical tactic that, that people employ is that it's extremely effective in terms of derailing the conversation because all of a sudden when someone creates a, a, a straw man argument of what you're saying, you go from articulating a point of view and attempting to, you know, um, make a compelling case for your argument to defending um, your, this caricatured version as being incorrect. And that's not what I'm saying at all. And all of a sudden, because when someone's on the defensive, they look like they're weak, they look like they're losing the argument. And it therefore is very effective at giving um, the person who's committing the straw man the upper hand. So um, there's, you can, obviously, the, there's many varied ways in which you can counteract a straw man by um, saying, actually, that's not true, et cetera, et cetera. One of the best tactics I've found um, to, to deal with it is to actually take it further, um, take the extreme further than the person's caricaturing it to um, sort of surface the absurdity of, of that you're being straw man. So say, for instance, you're talking with Bob about how we should spend more money on education. He says something like, oh, well, I guess we should just leave our country defenseless by spending more money on a broken school system. And so that you could counteract with something like, that's right, and perhaps if we spend the entire federal budget on education, we'll be able to afford incorporating critical thinking into school curricula so that people don't commit obvious straw man arguments. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of like in making the absurdity of like, that's clearly not what I'm saying, rather than trying to defend it, um, kind of using humor and turning it back on, on the um, straw man itself um, can be effective in terms of derailing the derailment. If you're interested in learning more about the stuff that all of these people make and do, I'll have links to all of the stuff they make and do in the show notes for this episode. Up next, some advertisements, some words from our sponsors, and then a cookie, and then the credits. Do you have a website? Why not? 
why don't you have a website? What does your website look like? Does it look like you put some effort into it? Because building a website can be tough. I get it. Even if you know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair. But you need a website, whether it's for business or a portfolio, a restaurant, a resume, whatever it is. In this day and age, you can't just depend on some sort of social media presence. You need a real website, a place that's yours on the internet. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. No coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy-to-use tools to create your website, Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. And you know you can trust in Squarespace for your website needs because millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust in them too. I have my website there, my personal website, where all my contact stuff is. That is made with Squarespace. Why? Because I wanted something that I could update easily on the fly, and I wanted it to look good and modern and easy and pretty and great. And Squarespace gives you all these things and all these toys, and they're always adding toys. And whenever one comes along, I say, yes, that goes to my website. That will make it better. Seriously, you can't beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. They give you 24-7 online support. So if anything doesn't make sense to you or you want to do something and you're not quite sure if this is the right way to do it, someone will help you. So what are you waiting for? Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code SOSMART and you will get 10% off your first purchase. And it will show your support for this podcast. We thank Squarespace for their support. We think you will love it. Squarespace. You should. I've been talking about the great courses for a while now, and here is something completely new. I'm very excited to introduce this to you. It's called The Great Courses Plus, a video learning service that gives you unlimited access to a huge library of the great courses lecture series in so many fascinating topics. Science history, cooking, astronomy, psychology, neuroscience, behavioral economics. I love this. The Great Courses Plus is giving our listeners an incredible opportunity to experience this for nothing at all. You can watch one of their popular courses, The Fundamentals of Photography, for free. Absolutely free. So what is this course? You're going to love this. It's so cool. It is The Fundamentals of Photography, filmed in partnership with the National Geographic, and it's taught by professional photographer Joel Sartori. I've been watching it. It's amazing. It is a great way to learn how to take stunning photographs like a professional does. It helps you capture memories of what you see and experience. You'll learn how to compose photographs the way a professional would, how to create photos of landscapes, how to take a portrait of a human being, how to capture special occasions in a way that lets you go back through your photos later and go, uh, I actually like this instead of, Nope, nope. Nah, well, that one's kind of good. <laughs> oh, mm, I thought these would be better. And for a limited time, The Great Courses Plus is offering my listeners a chance to stream this course, The Fundamentals of Photography, $235 value, and hundreds of other courses for free. Stream from any internet-connected TV, PC, or through The Great Courses Plus apps. But... This offer is about to go away. It's just for a limited time. You have to hurry to actually get this. 
To stream the fundamentals of photography from The Great Courses Plus for free, you must go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. And now we return to our program. Now, what starts with the letter C? Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, uh, who cares about other things? C is for cookie. In each That's episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast, C I eat a cookie baked from a recipe sent in by a listener or a reader. And if Amanda bakes the cookie that you sent in to me, and then I eat it, then you will get a signed copy of the You Are Not So Smart book. Either you are not so smart or you are now less dumb. I kind of just randomly pick it, sign it, ship it straight to you. And in this episode, we are eating a cookie that was sent in to us by Andrew Lehman. Andrew Lehman writes, hello, I greatly enjoy your podcast and have now enjoyed two of the cookie recipes, the coconut chocolate chip cookies and the chocolate ginger crinkle cookies. I feel it's time for me to contribute a recipe my family favorite from many decades gone by, Chinese New Year cookies. Okay, so I have the cookie in front of me. And here are the ingredients. Chocolate chips, butterscotch chips, dry chow mein noodles, dry roasted peanuts. That's it. And you don't even bake them. Just melt the chocolate and the butterscotch together. Stir it up. Stir in the chow mein noodles and peanuts. And then just drop the whole thing onto some paper and let it get uh, let it get cold. Unbelievable. That means that this is just a big pile of stuff that has been melted and then reformed together again. And I am willing to eat it because it looks great. It actually looks like a haystack. If you ever had one of those, the haystack cookies, that's what it looks like, except it's all chocolate. And here we go. Let's eat this cookie. Happy New Year. Mmm. <laughs> crunch, crunch. <laughs> you know, this, <clears throat> this is like an experiment that you would do as a kid. Uh, you, it's like, let's just dump the four things we have left in the pantry into a pot and pretend we know how to cook. What is cooking? Just turn on the heat and then when it melts, it's done. <laughs> and that's pretty much what you do with this. It was so simple compared to the other cookies we've made. And I think that I could eat every single one of these. They're so great. It's just candy. It's just straight up candy. It's really, really tasty. Easy, easy, easy. If you've never made anything ever, if you've never cooked a cookie, never baked a single confection, this is the one to try. There's nothing to it. And I think these are delicious. Let me have another bite right now. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Andrew Lehman. Easy candy. Chinese New Year's cookies. Those are so good. There is a book headed your way. That is it for this episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast. Head to boingboing.net for more great podcasts like 
this one. The opening music, that is Clash by Caravan Palace, interstitial music by Drew Garraway, Banjo Apocalypse, and some stuff I bought thanks to your patronage on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash youarenotsosmart to patronize me. Yes, it's okay. Patronize me, please. Find links to all the previous episodes at boingboing.net and youarenotsosmart.com or just go through the back catalog at iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Find show notes at youarenotsosmart.com. You Are Not So Smart is on Facebook as You Are Not So Smart. It's on Twitter as at NotSmartBlog, and I am at David McRaney. It's 3 a.m. I am so sleepy. I promise. I am not. I am not drunk. This slurring is sleep deprivation. You're the best. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm very proud to have BetterHelp as a sponsor. I was using BetterHelp before they became a sponsor, and I was very excited to learn that they wanted to sponsor this program. I have recommended BetterHelp to people. I know people right now who I've recently onboarded. I had a friend who had a really difficult medical event and was experiencing a completely new range of anxieties and feelings and concerns. And I recommended therapy. I'd never gone to therapy before. And this helped. Now, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If our time was unlimited, how would you use it? And the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what is that special thing? What is important to you? What is that thing that deserves to take that slot, that precious time? How do you make that a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I really recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you will get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do that several times and really lock in with a therapist that is able to generate with you that dynamic that's so important. I believe you should be in therapy. I believe everyone should be in therapy for a period of time at least in their lives to sort this out. What's important to you? How do you make it work? And you can learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Y-A-N-S-S today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Y-A-N-S-S.